and welcome to a new episode of the Hashtag Mo Ledge podcast, recording live from the Missouri Times headquarters, real headquarters now, in Jefferson City. Uh, this is, of course, Rachel Herndon Dunn, editor of the Missouri Times, and I'm, of course, always here with Alicia Sure. Good afternoon. She's so excited to be here. And we have two special guests for you all today. We have two representatives of two different parties with two different hairstyles. Today we have Representative Mark Ellibrocht from the Northland of Kansas City. How you doing? And we have Representative Bruce DeGroat from St. Charles, St. Louis County. St. Louis County, Wildwood, Ellisville, and Chesterfield. And is that technically a hairstyle? I mean... It's a choice. It's a hair choice. <laughs> yes, there we go. So, of course, we'll have our normal structure, but the buzz section will be about something the representatives are working on. So, gentlemen, our top five stories of last week, two of which are about resignations right ahead of Clean Missouri. First, most read story of last week was Hummel resigns from the Senate. That's obviously a big deal, um, even though he was not reelected. But he serves as AFL-CIO Secretary-Treasurer, and he explicitly said that he was resigning early so that there would be no fences in the future of him doing his job. Well, uh, Kevin Corlew also did not win re-election, and he resigned early. He said he has no plans to be a lobbyist, but as a full-time attorney, since Clean Missouri doesn't specify what constitutes a paid lobbyist, he also doesn't want any fences. Another attorney that resigned early was Representative Kevin Austin. Now, just curious, both of you representatives are attorneys. Did it ever cross your mind that, especially with the new Calzone ruling, has it ever crossed your mind that you might not be able to do your day jobs because of Clean Missouri? No. Kind of putting you on the spot there. No, I, I don't think I, – I honestly don't think anybody – any organization except the Supreme Court of Missouri can, can restrict who wants to hire us. So I'm not sure that this law applies to us anyway. It doesn't – it certainly I don't think wouldn't apply to us in our private capacity to be attorneys for regular individuals. With regard to representing people as lobbyists – I, I don't have enough background in what it takes specifically to be a lobbyist because I'm not interested in being a lobbyist. But in terms of representing my clients in civil matters or in criminal matters or, you know, my day to day private attorney duties, this the Supreme Court is the only one that can tell me I can't be a lawyer. Interesting. The second most read story, which I would encourage you to go to the Missouri Times dot com and read is who will be Missouri's next treasurer. Very good list. And I actually just got off the phone with one of the women on that list named Carrie Almond. Absolutely impressive person. It's a list of very impressive people who have accomplished more in their lives than I ever will. Um, so I encourage you just to go read that because I cannot do it justice in 30 seconds or less. Fourth most read story, Missourians seek to strengthen union rights through initiative petition. So Mike Lewis has filed four IPs. He is the president yes. of AFL-CIO. And looks like they're pushing back on rights work. And in case you missed it, Senator-elect Eric Burleson has filed rights work. And if you were surprised by that, you don't know Eric Burleson. So as a, as a Democratic state rep, are you concerned about the right to work bill? Or do you think that maybe the people have spoken and some of your colleagues will hear that? Well, as I recall, uh, the governor himself has said that the, the people of the state of Missouri have spoken on the issue. And... He intends, from my understanding of what he has said publicly, he intends to respect the will of the state of the people of the state of Missouri. Something like 67% of us all said no to right to work. I, I trust this governor to do what the people um, have said that they want done. And, you know, if he doesn't or if this proceeds forward, there will be elections in the future. Interesting. It's always refreshing to hear a lawmaker of the opposite party of our state's executive branch 
saying that there's some trust there. You know, in my in my limited experience with the governor's office, I have disagreed with him on policy, but I've never encountered a situation where he has been discourteous or unprofessional. And it's, <coughs> it's a, a really welcome change of pace. I'm not here to sing his praises, obviously. <laughs> as, as I might have been quoted before, I'm kind of a Scott Sifton fan, but um, I do appreciate his professionalism and I think that he's going to, I hope that he will respect the will of the state of Missouri, the people in the state. Interesting. And of course, the fifth most read story of last week, Parson urges an innovative solutions to improving criminal justice system. And I think Alicia and I have decided to start doing some reporting on what's going on over at DSC because it is interesting. There have been a lot of changes over the last two, five, ten years. And it's interesting to try to figure out what those trends are. I encourage you to go read that. But something that stuck out to me that Alicia has pointed out to me, that there's 32,000 inmates in DOC right now, which is 634 more than we have capacity for. And you yeah. spent basically all day in Lynn, in Osage <laughs> Not County. Quite all day. We went, I went back and forth because the governor had the Medicaid fraud press conference. So I came back to Jefferson City for that and then went back to the forum, which there was about, I think, 150 people there was, was the number I was given. And they just spent the day combing through data and looking at different ways to come up with potential solutions to avoid building new prisons. This seems to make sense. And I will say, and I think the representatives will appreciate this, Alicia is not from Missouri. So she was very confused that she was in Osage County, which is not where Osage Beach is. And Ozark, Missouri <laughs> is not near Lake of the Ozarks and also not in Ozark County. Yes. Welcome to Missouri, Alicia. <laughs> so the reason you guys are here is you guys are going to file a bill. Already did file a bill. You guys filed a bill. <clears throat> So what is the bill? Well, just for the record, I'm a Scott Sifton fan, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a Mike Parson fan, but but Scott Sifton. There's is, so much bipartisanship in the room. It's like a Disney movie. No, it's true. I, I like Scott. He, Are we going to start singing? Only if Elton John bust in. I can play drums, but I can't sing. I'm a really good singer, but I'm a better dancer. <laughs> I don't believe you. God help us. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Scott. Scott uh, is, is often on the other side of my Twitter farm bills, as is my friend Mark Elbrock. But but you know, both of these guys um, are are pragmatic and 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 fair. Is your house district in his Senate district? No. You're in Canix. No. No. I guess. <laughs> I'm running out of senators. <laughs> They're shots. Okay. Oh, I always forget his district goes beyond. It's kind of strange how they did that. Yeah. Hmm. It's clean Missouri. Um, so yeah, I filed a bill. So tell me about your bill. Well, what my bill does is, is in, in a nutshell, and Mark will get way more technical than I will on it. Maybe, but, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he's the brains of the operation on the front. So, that's all right. Uh, We're in trouble. You can't put people in jail anymore for, because they can't pay their jail bill. Uh, we have a, a system in rural Missouri um, that is, in my opinion, and I think Mark agrees, is, is pretty close to, if not debtor's prison. And the state of Missouri and, and the United States as a whole has decided that we don't want debtor's prison here. Just because you can't pay your bill is no reason to put someone in jail. It's repugnant. And our, our bankrupt, our U.S. bankruptcy code reflects that. You know, we, we, uh, we want people to have a clean start. And here, especially in rural Missouri, um, we, we've developed a system where 
where these courts and prosecutors are putting people in jail because they can't pay their their, their debt. And it's not fair. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to say that, that the idea was was uh, my own. Um, Mark and I have been to numerous of these courts and seen, it, seen, seen this in practice. Um, and, and, you know, when I first saw it, I, it, it turned my stomach. And I, I don't know why it didn't occur to me, but it, but it really didn't. About two months ago, um, a, a guy who thinks my politics are just okay, Tony Messenger of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, started writing about, about this system. And I, I encourage all of you, if you, if you have any doubts about this, Bill, please go, go Google Tony's name and, and read those articles. It, it's, it's horrible what they're doing. I will people. say about Tony, regardless of his politics, he is an amazing storyteller. And he's managed to put some soul into those people's stories because there are so many people out there, Missourians or not, who say don't do the crime if you can't do the time. I feel the same way. I feel the same way. Don't. I'm a law and order type of guy. And what this bill addresses, I think, if you don't mind me jumping in, Please. is a difference between not being able to do one's time and then not being able to pay a debt that was accrued as a result of having done one's time. So we're not looking at people that are trying to skate on their 30 days or 60 days or 90 days in jail for having committed a misdemeanor or even longer periods of time in some cases. I mean, some of these board bills get pretty high because people spend – uh, some time in jail and they're unable to pay their board bill so they get re-incarcerated for failure to pay or for contempt of court and they accrue more board bills. We're not talking about people not serving their jail sentence. What we're talking about are in some cases some counties being unwilling to pay the cost for what we would like to consider to be a civil ordered society, which is to have a jail. When people need to go to jail, they go there. They won't raise their taxes enough to accommodate having a jail and facilitating it. So they charge the people that stay in those jails for the room and board for staying there. Now, in some cases, that's appropriate. If you can afford to pay that bill, that's not unreasonable to expect them to be able to come back and pay that board bill. However, when they're unable to pay it in full or when they're unable to pay it at all, a lot of times these places are just hauling these people back. And in some cases, Mr. Messenger wrote several stories about people that have been hauled all the way across the state from as far away as St. Louis all the way out to Lafayette County in some cases I think was one of the stories or uh, down at the intersection of 54 and 52 Highway was another one down there in the Ozarks and, and you know you can't expect to keep bringing people back once a month and expecting them to make steady progress on these payments when they already are in a tough spot economically. They're having a tough time paying their regular bills, and now they've got $2,000, $2,500 in board bills that they have to come up with. Oh, and by the way, you got to figure out a way to get from St. Louis all the way down to Lake of the Ozarks all over again. Once a month. Yeah, once a month. The answer and they're obviously not working those days, so they're not making money those days. So And probably losing their job and probably not being able to find a babysitter. Uh, and to be fair to the counties, I, I think that if you're on a payment plan and you've, you've made your, your monthly payment, you don't have to show up in court, but if you haven't made that, that payment, you better show up. Otherwise, a warrant will be issued for your arrest and you'll be tossed back in jail and, and accruing more fees. Right. Once you're tossed back in jail, it's another day's or several days worth of board bills till they can get you in front of a judge. It's like the company store. Yeah. Well, so and, – and there's a ruling that was handed down literally today as, as we sit here and speak. It just came down. Um, we just found out about it this afternoon. Literally. And I think it, it, was a, it was a great example of the courts getting it right and a great example of why this legislation 
is needed in the state of Missouri to set the record clear on what the public policy in the state of Missouri is. It's a great example of BDG being right. <laughs> Bruce, I, I will not take that away from you. You have every right in the world to be proud of the fact that you were right. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. It's uh, the, the case of the state of Missouri versus John B. Wright, a uh, public defender named, uh, I think, Matthew Wolf was the one that argued it on behalf of the defendant, Mr. Wright. It's a Western District opinion or docket number WD81666 for those of you following at home in your uh, hymnals. Um, and it basically reinforces the idea that um, there is a separate way to collect these board bills, and that is to have the county clerk report to the uh, office of the Supreme Court Administrator that a debt has been incurred on the board bill. And then once that debt has been reported, from my understanding, the individual who has accrued the debt can either enter into a payment plan or pay in full with the Sheriff's Department. But the OSCA will be informed of whether or not a payment plan has been initiated and the payments begin to happen that way as a natural course of things and no further court dates are needed so long as payments are being made. So there's no justification for hauling people back to court to do a payment review plan or to do an indigency hearing over and over and over again or to have any of these like cumbersome things. As long as the person is making steps towards paying the bill, there's no need to haul them back in front of that same court over and over again or to incarcerate them or reincarcerate them on a board bill. So it's it's a debt. Assume civilly if that's what you want to do, right? That's well, yeah. I mean, there are there are other remedies. In fact, there's a separate. This was this decision. I, oddly enough, is kind of fun to read because it points out. Oh my gosh, you are such a geek. <laughs> you are such a geek. <laughs> that's my right. uh, Holy cow. There's maybe, nothing wrong with being maybe. a geek. I will support you in your nerdiness. Well, thank you. <laughs> you, you, you. Mark, you and I have fun in way different ways. But this is like an. Ex <laughs> this is kind of fun to me. It's a little bit wonky, but this is an exception to an exception yeah. of a rule. And so there's a separate system that the Western District has pointed out for collecting these specific types of court costs. And it'll be interesting to see, but I don't disagree with you. This should be civil. It should be treated entirely as civil. And there are, you and I have discussed other things in the future that we might want to bring up in, in terms of other legislation to address certain other problems. I mean, we've gotten this, you bringing this idea to me has opened my eyes to an entire field of things that I think you and I, given our background, because I know you've been in the practice of law, actually in the trenches, hustling law like I was for, you know, I was doing it for about nine years. You were doing it for longer. Let's just say 10 years. <laughs> and we, we both have experience from everything from very minor traffic stuff in municipal courts in the smallest little backwater towns, which some of them have very lo lovely cafes and are fun to go to. Nothing wrong with that. Great pie. At all the way up to, you know, like the year I ran, I sat in on, I was on two murder trials and a manslaughter case in 2016 when I ran. So I've seen the gamut. I've done the whole gamut of the legal practice. And these, Bruce and I share that background and have seen a lot of things that we would like to see done better, especially in the context of some of these lower level kind of municipal charges and the way they collect court costs and fees and the way some things are financed. I hope I'm not over speaking for you, but I know we've had... No, you're, you're probably overspeaking because, uh, you know, Rachel, what were you thinking uh, when you invited two attorneys to your podcast? You, you think it wasn't going to get hijacked? <laughs> I will say, the question you know I'm going to ask, with this ruling, why is your bill necessary? It's, it's a really good question. I think it is. Um, and, and Mark and I literally have had, what, we not, we've known about the decision now for... I told you about it when we walked in the door today. Pretty, yeah, and <laughs> I have to admit, I, I read it on the way over, or glanced at it on the way over. So we haven't had a lot of time to talk about it, five minutes be before we set up here. We both agree, it, it's still important. And, and the reason it is, is because 
It's one ruling in the in in the or Western District, and congratulations to the Western District for doing that. Mark took a great deal of pride of that, being from Kansas City. <laughs> That's and right, we got it right. St. Louis. Um, I I don't have any doubt that that courts throughout the state are, are going to do that. I mean, there, there's there, there's a huge push right now to, for sentencing reform, and, and this is a part of it, obviously. So I, I think that this ruling will probably be filed. I don't I don't think the state's going to appeal it. Um, to the Supreme Court. I'm not sure the Supreme Court would take it anyhow, but um, I, I think it is still necessary, um, if only um, to, to let these courts know that, that you know, people like Mark and I are in the legislature watching this stuff, watching how they act, watching how they, they treat the people we represent. Well, it, it goes a long way towards the statute that we've passed goes a long way towards harmonizing the districts because this way we know that the public policy in the state of Missouri will be clear statewide so that the Western District won't be doing things different than the Eastern or the Southern District. It'll also begin to start the ball rolling on the statutory framework for how we're going to deal with some of these court costs, which I think a lot of us have always kind of viewed as a little bit curious in, in how they're justified in some ways. And to make sure that, like Bruce said, there are legislators in the General Assembly, once again, because there used to be a lot of us, and for a while it kind of fell off, but there are, there are legislators that are back at it again that know what it's like to practice law and know that there are certain certain things that can be made better. And we're willing to listen to a lot of the judges, especially circuit court judges and municipal judges, on some of those things that we can do to make these things better. And this is one of the areas that we could come out of the chute and, you know, get something done right away. Well, and it's a bipartisan effort, too. You know, um, Mark and I sat together, on, and I know at least two committees that I know of. No, I was going to say that together on that freshman bus tour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was fun. Yeah. Here I am. I'm sitting next to a Democrat and uh, attorney, and he says, oh, I really think we can get some things done. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he, he grew on me. He, he really he grew <laughs> on me. It, it, so, it must have been his haircut. Like mold on bread. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I think we make a good team, you know. I, we have a lot. Of fun. And Mark, and to his credit, Mark, Mark has really worked hard to find um, common ground in, in not only specific issues, but but even even finer points of bills that we can we can agree upon. I, I'm kind of a bomb thrower sometimes, and Mark uh, Mark is able to see through some of that and say, "Hey, Bruce." Did you ever think about doing this in your bill? And, and you know, some of his suggestions are good. Some of them aren't so hot, I, I have to admit. Um, we make a good team on some of the stuff. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I think I agree. We've sat on some – the Judiciary Committee is the one that comes to mind. We sat on some just, I mean, damn tough issues in that committee, especially on like the beginning of life issues and the way they dealt with you know divorces in the context of cryogenically frozen embryos and things. And, and Bruce and I actually shared – quite a few I mean serious conversations about this late at night because that judiciary committee would go till past midnight sometimes and and he and I had real conversations like not from a Republican Democrat or liberal conservative or that kind of perspective but just from like a human perspective and we got to know each other and like and we're going to disagree on policy he's going to think tort reform is the greatest thing since sliced bread and I'm going to think that every human being deserves their day in court for the issue that's presented to him and that's, you know. And most importantly, I can beat his butt in golf. <laughs> that's true. We, that we, might we, be a partisan thing. We, we've just described kind of a bromance. It's not quite that. What did I have the kind of time to play golf that Bruce does? We, we still have, have major differences on a lot of these issues. That's but, true. But it, it is fun to, to uh, have somebody as capable as Mark on my, on my side once in a while. 
it does seem like bills like the one you have filed have a window that may have been opened by now Treasurer Schmidt with his SB5. So there's definitely a conversation going out there that's continuing with criminal justice reform. And of course, before both of you were, yeah, that's weird. Um, <laughs> both of you were in the legislature, uh, Chris Kelly reformed the criminal code, which hadn't been updated since like 33 or something, which I don't remember 1933, but I'm assuming it was a little different than modern legal shenanigans that you're talking about now. Well, and it's that was only a broad prompt, just no, a little broad. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you bring up uh, Senate Bill 5. Um, first off, I have a great deal of respect for, for our, our new Attorney General. I, I think he did a fantastic uh, job on Senate, Senate Bill 5. Um, as with, with any new legislation, um, now we've had a couple of years to to digest it and put it in practice. And of course, there's there's some issue issues with it. Mark and I have talked about them, and we're going to be working hard in the in the next year to identify those areas that, that need to be kind of tweaked a little bit. Um, I, I I think it was a great piece of legislation and definitely needed. Um, but there's some things that that we might be able to go back and look at and say, huh, uh, maybe the the doctrine run in unintended consequences sometimes. And and the other thing that my big problem with was you know sometimes it's it's a cookie fitter you know or, or cookie cutter one one size fits all and man you know um, the the St Charles Municipal Court is a lot different than than um, the the uh, uh, Pine Pine Lawn Municipal Court and I think we need to go back and and figure out how to how to treat every every municipal municipal court the same but um, at the same time recognize the differences. Yeah, I think that some of the things that were done in the old Senate Bill 5, um, I call it the old Senate Bill 5 because it's the law now and there was a Senate Bill 5 that came after it that I really disliked. But um, the old Senate Bill 5 was um, an attempt at correcting a lot of social injustices that might need to have, well, I'm not going to say might, that should have been corrected at the time. But as, as Bruce said, there are some things that after a few years in practice we're going to need to revisit because they did they did have some consequences and they did affect the way municipalities were able to enforce their own local rules, enforce their ordinances and run their communities the way, um, you know, the folks in those communities wanted them to be run. And some of this stuff stems from um, people not paying close enough attention to their own municipal elections and figuring out who is getting elected mayor and who is getting hired on to be their police chief and paying attention to who is being elected municipal judges and how those rules were being enforced. I mean, that that was a that was the result of I think a systemic problem where we used state law to fix some problems that may not have been entirely statewide problems, but may have been endemic to certain areas of the state that were more prone to be taken advantage of because of the systems that they were in. So I'm, I'm looking forward to working with Bruce. And, and as I said before, with all the municipal judges that we can talk to and the municipal attorney practitioners and the city clerks and, and folks like that on ways that we can find to allow municipalities to enforce their laws uh, while at the same time respecting the constitution, respecting people's rights under the law, you know, making sure that we don't have end up with things like debtors prisons and more warrants than residents of the cities and stuff like that. But this bill that we filed is our first kind of big salvo. And it's it was really encouraging to see the Western District basically say, yeah, Bruce, you were right. And Mark, you were right, too. And, and, and the other thing is we, we've spoken to our uh, uh, many of our colleagues about this and they're like, wow, we had we had no idea um, that this was going on. And and I, I think what you're going to see is, is um, uh, 
and this bill, I, I think we'll, we'll I'll file it, and, and it'll probably get passed. I don't know. Um, certainly out of the House, we'll see what happens in the Senate if that's their own, <laughs> own four-dimensional trust game that I have no clue about. But uh, I, I think that that uh, there's an appetite for this this kind of reform right now, and 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 in the legislature and here in Jeff City, and I, I think you're going to see more of these bills. So in addition to the bill you all have filed, you're talking about setting up a 501. What would that do? Because from what you you told me, it sounds like you might be getting some green tights, maybe a hat with a feather, and getting kicked out of some courtrooms. You guys just look like I just gave you the best idea in the world. <laughs> you know, there, there are rules. There are Supreme Court rules about the things we are and are not allowed to wear in court. And Robin Hood costumes not among them. I'm confident that a hat is certainly not among them, and I think if we wore tights, we wouldn't do well either. The, the feather might be okay, and depending, maybe. But there's you a, a little Robin pen. Hood. A new movie just came out. What about that outfit? It wasn't green and got to have a jacket, green and tie suit with a feather lapel pin. Uh, I'll think about it. Or just a leather suit. Right. The idea with the 501 <laughs> that we're going to be setting up, we're in the process of setting it up. It'd be a charitable organization that's designed to help alleviate people who are stuck with these board bills. And believe me, they don't make it easy to, to help people by setting up a... <laughs> oh, God, yeah. It's like a 23-page... I've hired somebody to help me do this. Um, but... I thought attorneys just knew how to do things. Oh, you know everything because you're an attorney. Yeah, yeah, and that's I what I thought. I thought yeah. attorneys were all knowing. I, yeah. I, I hate the question. Well, you know this because you're a lawyer. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> no, I, 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 no, I, I go to a doctor because they know how to fix my body, and I go to a mechanic because they know how to fix my car. I go to a lawyer because they're supposed to know how to give good advice on the law. Right? When we exceed that field, that's when we start going wrong. Um, but yeah, we're setting up the charitable organization to. Uh, Eventually, hopefully before Christmas, we're going to see, um, take charitable donations and we can go into certain situations where people have found themselves stuck with these very large board bills that have nothing to do with the individual who has already paid their debt to society by spending some time in jail in some cases or by um, you know completing their sentence. And then they have to keep coming back to court on some of these board bills or what have you and just using our, our, our connections – uh, through the friends we've accumulated in the past couple of years in the legislature and being able to um, raise some money to go in and help alleviate some of the uh, the board bill debt for the people that have demonstrated a willingness to to work and to make an effort to do it on their own. I mean, it's not like we're going to be just going in and paying off a bunch of deadbeats bills for them. Um, we're, we'll have standards set up for people that qualify and all that. And this is, I mean, it was, it was Bruce's idea in the first place to go down this road, and I I loved it, so I picked up the ball and ran with it. In fact, it's kind of strange that Bleeding Heart Liberal had to be dragged and tugged over the finish line, and now he's on board, and, and, and me. I wouldn't call myself Bleeding Heart, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that there should be you standards. You want to a lawyer. I, yeah, I, I, there should be standards. I mean, it's not like we're going to go doing this for, for every single human person in the state of Missouri that has a board bill. That's not the way this would work. I mean, you, you'd have to qualify for it, and it, you know, there would be factors that would be considered certainly but it's a private charity so uh, we get to set those factors and we get to make the determination yeah my son cliff is uh, I've, I've talked to him and, yeah. and we've talked about this he, he's going to be uh, kind of screening the applicants and and uh, getting those people that that 
really, really need help and, and right. the most deserving of it. Because, you know, even even though Mark might not agree, I, you know, I think everybody's a candidate that, that has a, a board bill. It's just, no matter what you've done, in my opinion, it's just wrong to charge people for being in jail. Jim at Christmas. It's not like they're staying at the Hilton or something, you know. Um, right. But and, and Mark disagrees a little bit. Well, I think, you know, not everybody qualifies for the public defender because they have enough of their own resources to get their own private attorney. In the same way, I think this charity... Yeah, would well, be would would qualify under the same kind of conditions. All right, so that's pretty cool though to uh, not only be taking legislative action and working on that front, but to also work on it in your private time. Well, like, that's it, cool, and it's pro bono too. By the way, I don't know if you mentioned that, but yeah. Mark, Mark, and I would be fine. We're limited, back to the bleeding heart part. Yeah, <laughs> Mark and I would be fine. Limited entries of appearance for these these people in courts, you know, really all over the state and. Um, I'm assuming we'd, we'd have to make at least one or two appearances to go and talk to the judges and, and, and maybe now the sheriffs and, and negotiate, you know, the, the, the outstanding balance of these things and, and um, giving these people a fresh start, you know, uh, uh, getting these people so that, that they can participate. And that's what this bill's all about and, and this effort's all about. Um, just, just making sure that, yeah, people people need to need to. Uh, uh, be punished for the things that they they're doing wrong, but the punishment needs to be fair. And and, and in my opinion, and, and I was a criminal justice major in undergraduate at the University of South Dakota, Harvard of the Midwest. Uh, <laughs> you know they say that about. Williams I thought that was true. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of Harvards of the Midwest. Last yeah. University. Oh, let's show you went to K State. The greatest no school, honey. in the country. It's okay. It's okay. We had Bill Snyder. But but the, the aim, I'm proud. The aim, William Jewell I, College has two Supreme Court justices in Missouri. William Jewell College. That's my mom's alma mater. Um, Not of, a Supreme Court justice. One of the agriculture college graduates from K State worked, worked for George Bush. Ooh. Just putting that out there. You know, I thought we were going to make it through a podcast without talking about things I don't know about, like <laughs> arms. But I, I think that. Uh, the punishment has to be fair, and, and the aim of our criminal justice system, in my opinion, should be um, to yes, yes, make make sure that people pay their debt to society. But once they have, get them back out there and get them to be productive members of society. And and the debtor system that was or debtor's prison that was was part of the system up until this decision and maybe this bill, um, I don't think gave people a fair opportunity to get back in society. Yeah, I mean that's I. This is exactly what it was about for me, and it. And when Bruce and I originally started talking about it, this is what it, it is so difficult to get yourself back into the workforce when you have to look for a job because you just lost your last job because you spent forty five days maybe in jail or whatever, and now you get hauled back to court once every thirty days. So suppose you get a job two weeks later, you got to figure out a way to take off a day of work from a job you just got that probably isn't the greatest job in the world because. You just spent 45 days in jail and you're looking for work anywhere you can get it. And you got to figure out a way where you can convince your boss to give you a day off work so you can go back to court. Like that's just because you owe money back to that court. And if it's not, free, not because you've reoffended too. Yeah. And it's not because you've reoffended. It's not because you've committed a new crime. It's just because you owe money for the food and the use of the air conditioning or heater or whatever at the time. And keep – to me, this is about getting people back on their feet, giving them enough hope that they have – one less thing holding them back from getting back into the workforce, getting back to work and figuring out a way to make a living, to get back on your feet and start, get back to work. Yeah, re receive a fair and just sentence. That's right. P pay your debt to society and get back on your feet and be, be a productive member of society. That, you know, that's what I want. 
um, from our criminal justice system. I, I don't want a system that just destroys lives, and I think that that's what was happening. You know, I will say, as much as there's those keyboard cowboys out there who love to hate on every single elected official that they totally voted for, every single one of them that I think I've ever talked to at the end of the day, wants all their constituents to be productive members of society. It's just figuring out which way to get there. So I think that was profound. And I feel like I just had an epiphany. Um, Alicia will have <laughs> we a story. We're here for it. Yeah. <laughs> Alicia will have a full story on this bill within the next probably tw- 30, 24 to 36 hours. Not minutes. Did you think I was going to say minutes? I thought you were going to oh say Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, 24 minutes is getting very specific. Look, Rachel, I need you to settle down. So speaking of this story, what else is on your plate this week? Magazine. Magazine. Wrapping up the magazine. Everyone should be very excited for it. I'd like to point out that for this magazine, there is only one reporter writing all of these stories. Hey, I wrote some stuff. And I got a lot of other people to write stuff. Didn't pay them. <laughs> But I suppose value lies in the eye of the beholder. Um, anything you think we should expect this week, gentlemen? You planning any any protests, riots that we're going to have to cover? Any? Not me. Thank not you me for not doing no, that. No, yeah. no, no. I want to. I want to go home. I was trying it's to tell Christmas Alicia party. that the weeks here. around between Christmas and the beginning of session are very weird because on one hand there's pre-filing, everyone's getting ready for session, but on the other hand. People want to celebrate the holidays and not give us 80 stories a day to write. It's a nice time for producing ancillary products for our lovely readers and listeners like you. Anyway, so thank you for listening to another episode of the Hashtag MoLedge podcast. If we're not back before then, you will get a new episode from us on Monday unless it's crashed by a certain publisher of a niche publication in Jefferson City who won't stop talking about pythons in Thailand. Um, It's got fun. Yeah. (laughs) I know, very specific. Also, the Cardinals. Um, if you don't know who I'm talking about, feel free to give me a call. Scott Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this has been Rachel Herndon Dunn here with Alicia Schur and Representatives Bruce DeGroat and Mark Ellibrock. Thank you for joining me today. And I'm looking forward to um, assigning more stories to reporters next session about your bill. Rachel and Alicia, thank you. you guys do a great job. Really appreciate it. Rachel thank you. and Alicia, thank you both. Appreciate the time. Merry Christmas to everybody. Yes, yeah, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. It's the last day of Hanukkah, I think. Yeah. And happy Hanukkah to people as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>